Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of An Shamit Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion of Bahar. Does charity begin and end at home? What are our responsibilities? We often hear the phrase, where does charity begin? Charity begins in the home, isn't that the the quote? Okay, well, if charity begins in the home, where does charity end? Does it end in my (laughs) home? Does it start my home and end my home? Or is my home the beginning and we move from the particular to the universal? Or do we just stop there? Yeah, I think it it goes on beyond the home, obviously. I think um, if it says it begins in the home, it, it, it doesn't say it ends in the home. So I think that it's a beginning it's a start and we uh we can then think about applying it beyond our homes maybe it's it's easier to first um imagine it in our homes or it's easier to get started in our homes and the challenge is in expanding it right well i think i i think the question is is simple on one level but complex and especially complex uh for jews living in the diaspora so let me explain Let's start in the Torah reading. Uh, this week, we're reading the portion of Bahar. And there's a section in it, and it's the, the Torah portion itself is focusing attention on life in the land of Israel. What will it be like there? And there are all kinds of issues that the Torah surfaces about the land. Every seven years, you have to let the land lie fallow. It's called Shemitah. So the land has its own Sabbath. This land that the Israelites are moving on to belongs to God. It doesn't really belong to them. And so they have to follow God's rules as the ultimate landlord. And then every 49th year, you have what's called the Yovel, the uh, Jubilee year, where not only does the land lie fallow, but all debts are released. So there is this kind of overall vision of what a ethical Jewish or Israelite society will look like. And so this law that I'm about to share with you fits right into that. If your kinsman is in straits and has to sell part of his holding, that's his land holding, his nearest redeemer shall come and redeem what his kinsman has sold. So here's the situation. A person falls on hard times. Perhaps they've had a couple of bad agricultural years and they have to sell off part of their their land. And the question is, can that person ever get the land back? And what this is saying is that your nearest people have to come and redeem you. Now, that could be a relative or it could be a friend. It could be a lot of things, but they have a responsibility to help you, your brother. And I think you can extend that to say that when Jews need to help other people, we begin with Jews first and then extend out to the larger community. And I, and I wonder what your thoughts are about that. Does that rub you the right way or does that rub you the wrong way? Well, it's a tricky one. Uh, but I do think that, you know, if charity begins in the home, if charity begins among your own family, it begins, you know, it, it, it starts with your own clan, with your own um, neighborhood. And, you know, we try to treat everyone the same. But the, the fact is that people you know, the people who live most proximately to you, the people you love are always going to be um, people you see up close and who you can identify with and feel their pain a little bit more. So then uh, I think it's it's natural and it makes some sense and it's human nature. Then the question is like, you, you know, we said in the beginning, how do you carry that 
beyond and, and try to apply those same principles to people you don't know. I'm going <clears> to <throat> challenge you on this. Please no do. Surprise, no surprise. No, good. Be because I would suggest that in the day in the days in which we live, younger Jews are more prone to support, to care for people from a universal perspective rather than just beginning with Jews. And in fact, in a diaspora universe, that's uncomfortable. So I'll give you, for instance, when we work with B'nai Mitzvah children or young adults, they're given the opportunity to have a mitzvah project. Should we as a synagogue tell our young people that your mitzvah project has to be Jewish in nature? In other words, the recipients of this righteous act are Jews. In other words, does the if I'm going to feed the poor, do I give the money to Mazon rather than, I don't know, Lakeview Pantry? Do I tell the child who wants to send shoes to Africa for children who may not have shoes? Well, that's a very nice idea, but why don't we help Ethiopian Jews in Israel, right? Where do we begin? You know, if charity begins at home, then I should, as the senior rabbi of the congregation, say, this is what you should do. Or do we allow and do acknowledge that we also have a universal responsibility? Oh, that's such an interesting question because, um, you know, there's something to be said for taking care of the people around you and where you can see it for yourself and you can interact. You know, I, I think sometimes we prefer these, these long distance acts of charity because we don't have to get our hands dirty. We don't have to, you know, you can write a check, you can send a package overseas, um, but you don't have to do the, the human work of actually caring for people and getting involved in, in, in their, you know, in their messy lives and, and being there when complications arise. I hear that. It's easier to send money overseas sometimes and look to turn a blind eye to the people who are living in tents a few blocks from your house near Lakeshore Drive. That can be easier because I'm not sure what to do with that problem, but I can kind of assuage my conscience by sending money across the world. But I guess what I'm drilling down on right now is a concern that exists amongst diaspora Jews that may not exist, let's say, in the land of Israel. And that is, are Jews too parochial? Are Jews too self-focused? Are Jews too busy taking care of themselves? And does that mean then, and is that interpreted by the outside, those outside the Jewish community, as Jews only care about themselves? I mean, that's a question. Yeah, it's a tough question uh, because we've we we have to fight for ourselves. We've been um, you know through so much uh, as a people, and we've we've suffered so much that there's an an instinct, of course, to self preservation, to take care of one another, and we still have plenty of problems and are, are threatened in so many ways. And yet, uh, there are people worse off, right? Like, should we only rescue the the Jews in Ukraine right now? Should we only offer them homes? It's a it's a very interesting issue. It's an interesting issue, and it's a difficult issue. And I'm really glad you brought up the Jews of the Ukraine, because Natan Sharansky is a fascinating figure, a hero, a Jewish hero in our time. And he is from the Ukraine. And he recently wrote in regards to those who are in transit, those who are fleeing Ukraine, uh, which is being bombarded daily. And he's writing at the time we're speaking. 
And he he writes, this week I was reminded of those days when I saw thousands of people standing at the border of Ukraine trying to escape. They're standing there day and night, and there's only one word that they can help them get out, Jew. Because he, what he's suggesting is that there are Israelis and there are people from Jewish organizations looking for Jews to help transport to Israel. Or there are people who are taking care of Jews at the border. And what he then goes on to say is that there's someone on the other side of the border who's searching for you. Your chances of leaving are excellent. And then he says, the world has changed. When I was a child, Jew was an unfortunate designation. No one envied you. But today on the Ukrainian border, identified as a Jew is a most fortunate circumstance. It describes those who have a place to go, where their family is an entire nation is waiting for them on the other side. And so he's, you know, he's pointing to this sea change that Jews have, that the state of Israel has created for Jews. And I'm just wondering how you react to that. We're living in the diaspora. Does that give you the warm fuzzies or does that make your skin crawl? No, it actually makes me feel pretty good because um, I feel like, we, you know, we have power now. We have a homeland and now we have a responsibility to take advantage of that. We didn't always and our people didn't have a place to go. And if we can provide for people now because we have stability, because we have Israel, we have a responsibility to do that. doesn't mean we should shut out others, um, but... I think that it's it's something that we should be proud of. I do agree with you on this, and I think it's an. I think you said it very well, that we are remiss if we forget that lesson. That it wasn't all that long ago that no one would take Jews in. Today, Jews are setting the example of taking people in, and I guess what I would, I would, I would infer from this is that the. Uh, example that Jews are setting, I think is an important one for people around the world, especially people in the United States. And what I mean by that is this, what would the world look like? What would this country look like if people within individual communities were watching the plight of people around them and saying, I have a responsibility to help right here at home first here in the city of Chicago or here in Lakeview or here in Lincoln Park or Rogers Park or Skokie what's what's going on around me and how can I be how can I be involved and how can I be engaged and we start there and we move out of that area and to the city of Chicago to the larger community do you think the world would be better do you think this country would be better if people took that kind of responsibility on well, no question. And, and we should remember that when the Jews were coming here in droves to escape from areas like the Ukraine, um, it wasn't because there were Jewish people welcoming them. The whole country was welcoming them. The country had a, a policy that made it, uh, you know, that welcomed immigrants from everywhere. And that is also something we need to remember and take some responsibility going forward with. And just to build on this, if you think about it, we depend on our government to do a lot. I pay my taxes. I want people to be taken care of that way. I pay taxes, state of Illinois. I want people to have SNAP or whatever. Okay, I hear that. 
But when do we see people's faces? When do we engage? When do I feel like I have a personal responsibility to be involved? And I go back to the language of the Torah. Because the Torah says, uses the term achicha, when your when your kinsman is kind of an odd English term. What it really means is that your brother or sister is in straits. In other words, how do I see other people? Do I see them as that poor, unfortunate soul that lives in a tent, or do I see them as my brother? And if I and if I see them as my brother, then I have to see them as somebody I have responsibility for when they fall on hard times. How does that change the equation? And I think if we use that as a starting point, we can go from the particular to the universal. You know that whole notion of charity does begin at home. I think it's a powerful, powerful idea that speaks to us. No, no question about it. Those brothers um, who are who are Jewish may be the brothers we know, but there are lots of other brothers and sisters out there who we don't know, but they're still part of the same family. And so if we lead with language that's going to be inclusive rather than exclusive, I think we can go a long way. Yes. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks, Rabbi.